Have you ever secretly wondered what your children might say about homeschooling, you know, once they're grown up and out of the house? Well, if you've ever wondered that, you're in luck. Because in today's episode, I'm chatting with homeschool graduate, now turned homeschool CEO, Mary Tendell, and she talks about how homeschooling prepared her for entrepreneurship, how she overcame a time scarcity mindset, and now how she's using everything she's learned over the years to homeschool her own kids, all while running a successful copywriting business. I know you're going to love Mary as much as I loved interviewing her. So let's get started. Welcome to the Homeschool CEO Podcast, the podcast dedicated to entrepreneurs who want to successfully homeschool their kids while running a profitable business. In this podcast, we'll reveal the truth of what it really looks like behind the scenes of an entrepreneur who homeschools and how to make it all work. If you're an entrepreneur who currently homeschools or you want to start, you are in the right place, my friend. With 16 years experience combining entrepreneurship with homeschooling, I'm your host, Jen Myers, and this is the Homeschool CEO Podcast. Uh, My name is Mary Tyndall, and I am a copywriter and messaging strategist based in Orlando, Florida. And I specifically work with um, medium-sized enterprise businesses, and I work with them on communicating more strategically um, so that they can win the trust of their customers, they can grow their leads, um, and they can really show up in a credible and authoritative way. Oh, that is so needed in today's marketplace. So how do you help entrepreneurs do that? Yeah, so it's really important to show up as the expert that you are, whether you are a solopreneur or you have a position within an organization where you're an employee. Um, And I think for your audience that are mostly entrepreneurs, I think the most helpful thing to keep in mind is that people need to know, like, and trust you. And this is a sort of uh, a cliche in marketing by this point, but it's so true. The more that people feel that they have that connection with you um, by way of your story, by way of your background, the more likely they are to trust you and to ultimately buy from you or become a client of yours. Um, And so the way that you do that is just by getting more open, getting more vulnerable with what brought you to this point as as a professional. And something that um, I've started embracing more is just the fact that I am a mom and that I home educate my kids because I think that's a way to always find some common ground with people when you have when you have kids you can talk about things that you have in common um, you don't want to overdo it obviously but I think that sharing a little bit about maybe why you began your business in the first place the kind of goals that you have for your business can help to forge trust with your customers um, in my line of work and how I help people do that I, I usually start by just interviewing them and just hearing about what brought them to this place. And then um, if they're a client where we're doing some ghostwriting together, I will have them talk at length in their own words so I can kind of pick up on their vocabulary and the things that they say and the way that they say it. So you can actually do that yourself. You can <laughs> you can pretend like you are talking to a friend or you can have a friend interview you, or you can just open up the mic app on your phone and just start talking. Um, A lot of times when we try to like find our voice, we try to do it by writing and a lot of people don't feel comfortable with that, don't feel natural with it. And sometimes I even get stuck because it's like there in my head, but I can't put it on the page. So I think if you want to really get started and just kind of loosen up and finding who you are and getting, getting to talk in your authentic voice 
and not like in a corporate voice, which many of us have been kind of trained to think is our, is our business voice. Um, a good way to start is, like I said, just record yourself talking and then go back and kind of listen to it or get it transcribed and circle some of the themes or some of the phrases that you hear yourself using a lot um, and see if you can start sprinkling those into some of your writing. Because some of us sound totally different when we're talking than when we're writing. And so I think we, you know, we hear about finding your voice, but it's also just about using your voice, like using the voice that you already have. You don't have to necessarily show up as a corporate robot or um, the official version that you think you might need, you can just be yourself. And so um, I'm all about being more authentic and, and also letting your expertise shine through in an authentic way. Yes. And that is exactly what we need. We need more of that authenticity in today's marketplace, especially for online entrepreneurs. Now tell me, what got you started on this path of helping entrepreneurs find their voice and discover how to use the voice that they have? Okay, so I went to college for journalism. Um, I really dreamed of being a big shot reporter in a big city. And I believed that journal, I still believe that journalism is an incredibly important institution in our society. And um, journalists are noble, most of them, you know, and do important work. And I really identified a lot with that, as well as just the ability to constantly be learning and kind of indulge my curiosity about the world. I wanted to constantly be exploring things that were fascinating, little corners of the world that nobody knew existed, right? So that was what pulled me into to journalism. And then um, I completed several internships in college and just got a lot of experience under my belt. And then graduated in 2008 from college when the economy was just beginning to free fall. And so my, my start in journalism was a little short-lived. I had um, a couple of like short-lived positions on the copy desk and I got laid off along with almost everyone I worked with. And then realized, you know, I need to find something a little more stable where I can still use those storytelling skills and still be curious and tell stories. So landed a marketing role at a big nonprofit um, that's based here in Orlando and for a couple of years just learned everything there was to know about nonprofit communication. Um, and then for seven, almost eight years, I worked for an integrated marketing communications and PR agency also here in town, um, which is where I began to practice media relations and eventually led a small team there doing media outreach for clients. So um, a blend of journalism, PR, and marketing experiences kind of all culminated in this. Um, I had this realization that, you know, I had poured so much into developing my skills and getting results for clients. And I wanted to make those skills work for me. I wanted to build a life that worked for me and my family where I could use my skills, but really stay in my zone of genius and allow myself to make an impact doing the things that I do best versus trying to kind of cover all the bases where, um, you know, in previous roles, I kind of felt like I couldn't always specialize the way that I wanted to. There were just so many hats that I wanted to wear. And I feel like it's a really good use of your energy as an entrepreneur to kind of identify what do I love? What, what gets me energized? You know, and that's, that's a really basic exercise, but I, I think until you do it, you don't realize all the things that you're doing that are really sucking your energy. Um, and so <laughs> I, I have moved my mindset from time management to more of energy management and being a good steward of 
the finite energy that I do have for my family, for my work. Um, and so I think that's how I approach like integrating the two is just being mindful of where I'm spending my energy. That is such a great perspective because you're right. We're all allotted 24 hours in the day, but we only have so much energy and how we spend our energy is crucially important when we're balancing homeschooling and running a business and mom duties and just everything that comes with that. What caused you to shift your mindset from tracking your time to tracking your energy? I think as your kids get older, you sort of realize, you know, the years are shortening and you want to be giving them the best. I think that especially for people who are ambitious, you know, we see the short-term results that we can get in work. And that can be kind of addictive, like, wow, you know, I am making a difference. And for me, that's like really appealing, really gratifying to know that I can have these wins and work where I feel like parenting is more of a long game. You're like working day in and day out and your gains are so incremental, you don't see them happening. But then, you know, when your kids start getting into the elementary school years and you're kind of out of the haze of like diapers and like newborns and you kind of realize, wow, they're, they're changing before my eyes. And the things that I did when they were tiny, they did matter and they did have an impact and they remember them. And, and you start to realize like the things that you're doing at home with your family do matter. Um, and I think that that made me more vigilant about wanting to make sure that I really only worked on things that I wanted to work on and things that I felt that my clients could only get from me versus the millions of other writers out there. That is genius how you've really focused in on what only your clients can get from you and what you want to be spending your energy on. So how has that mindset been transferred over to the way that you homeschool? Really good. Um, so going back to that like zone of genius thing, I think it's identifying the things that I really enjoy about teaching my kids and trying to focus on those as well as the things that they enjoy learning from me, right? It's a give and take. And I find that I have a totally different dynamic with my kids than my husband does. And we have a really good structure in the way that we do our schedules where he goes to work at 1.30 PM. So he's actually the lead homeschool parent during the morning. And that's my work time. That's like sacrosanct. I don't do anything except for work between like eight and one. So that allows me like five solid hours. And then I do some in the evening as well. Um, so going back to, you know, how I approach the business and how I approach homeschooling, um, I have my husband do the things that he wants to do with the kids and the things that he's good at doing with the kids. So they do math and science primarily. And I work with the kids on things like history and language arts. Um, and I also get to kind of be the fun parent in that I take them to parks and libraries and art museums and co-ops and all of the sort of extracurricular and socialization things that my husband can't do because of his schedule. Um, and I really believe that exposing them to, to as many artistic and cultural influences as possible out in the community is really important. That's important to me. So I try not to spend time doing <laughs> math or subjects that I don't like because I feel like that's, uh, you know, he can do them just fine and, and we can do the subjects that we enjoy. Um, and it's the same with work. You know, if there's ever a task that I don't want to do, either I, I ask, like, does this need to be done? Or can someone else do it? Can I hire someone to help me with it? Or can I 
reinvent it in a way that sounds more fun to me. (laughs) Yes. I think that we all should be working on ways to improve what we're doing, whether it's in a way to make it more fun for us as the teacher or us as a business owner or for our kids as the student. I think that's so wise because when we enjoy what we're doing, we're more likely to keep doing it. Now, a lot of our audience may not know, but Mary actually is a homeschool graduate. So she's what we would call a second generation homeschooler. She was homeschooled and now she's homeschooling her children. Is that correct? Yes, I was. I graduated as a homeschool student um, toward the end of high school. I was doing a lot more dual enrollment classes in college, but I still graduated as a homeschooled student. That's awesome. I love it when homeschool graduates turn around and homeschool their kids. Now, how do you feel that homeschooling prepared you for entrepreneurship? Wow. It's like such a natural next step, to be honest. I think that as a homeschooled student, you are like the entrepreneur of your education. The older that you get, the more that you should feel ownership over your education and feel like you have the freedom to do what suits you. I'm a big proponent of that because my mom was an amazing homeschooler. She really opened up our world from our living room couch, um, whether it was reading aloud to us, you know, historical fiction novels or exposing us to, like we would sit down and read the newspaper together. We would look at the headlines. We'd critically evaluate, exposing us to different topical issues in the news and like giving us what I feel was a, a just a buffet of like curiosity. Um, we, we had so much like in the way of, interests that we could explore, hobbies. You know, my sister did like archery and collected butterflies. And I was always in my room reading and being nerdy. We were all so different. There were 10 of us, but we all kind of had the freedom to explore what we were into. Um, So I I feel that that is perfect um, preparation for entrepreneurship because in entrepreneurship, like one of the most challenging or even intimidating things is this aspect of like not having a boss right? Like that's a huge adjustment. And I had a boss for many years and now my boss is me. And so learning how to be different roles to myself, I think was something I carried over from homeschooling and homeschooling. You know, my mom didn't always have the time to sit with all of us one-on-one. We had to really step up and say, you know what, this is what I'm interested in learning. I know that the state has mandated I need to learn about U.S. history this year. I want to read these biographies of U.S. presidents or whatever. We could choose that. We could make our own plans. And I did that for a lot of my classes in high school, and I would pull different resources together myself. And that's great because in entrepreneurship, it's the same thing. Like You're constantly learning. It's extremely humbling to feel like there's always more that you need to brush up on. And um, that feeling of lifelong learning is something that I think carries over really well from homeschooling to entrepreneurship. I agree a hundred percent. So obviously your mom was an amazing homeschool teacher. So what kind of homeschooling methods did she follow? Um, so my mom would probably say it was eclectic. She had very meticulously planned unit studies for us. So that was really the backbone. We used to do three weeks on one week off. So in those three weeks, we would focus on like one subject, like weather or ancient Egypt. And she had everything mapped out to where we would focus on different science themes, historical themes, geography themes, and she would intersperse them throughout the year. And we would just like dive deep on that. And that would encompass every subject. So if it was ancient Egypt, our science would be on like embalming 
you know, for instance. And so I think that allowed her to teach to a bunch of different ages at once and a bunch of different subject subjects at once. Your mom sounds amazing. So how did you take what you learned as a homeschooling child and then transfer that into entrepreneurship and then also the way that you homeschool your kids? Just, I think, seeing all of our stories, especially as we get older and we find our own paths and we make our own families has been really cool um, and encouraging to me that I can do this with my kids and they'll turn out fine, better than fine, you know? Um, And, you know, some of my... Um, siblings actually went to public school. Um, so the younger ones are still like, jury's kind of out on them, but I'm sure they'll be fine too. Right. But all that to say, you know, I think that kids are resilient and as long as they are in a loving environment that allows them to grow, like I see them like plants, you don't need to tell the plant to grow, it just grows. You have to provide the soil and the water and the sunshine. Um, so I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to like be the, the gardener. <laughs> and my kids have been flourishing. I mean, I don't want to brag. Like we have hard days. We certainly do. And we don't always want to sit down and do school. You know, there are times when that is the life lesson that we're learning that day. You know, there are things in life that we don't want to do. We still need to do them because X, Y, and Z. It's building us, you know, character skills of you know, determination and perseverance. And so that's part of the mix too. Yes, it is really important that we teach our kids to do things that they don't necessarily want to do because as adults, we have to do things that we don't necessarily want to do, right? So tell me, what are your kids learning about right now? My boys are all really into anything like mechanical or engineering related. And right now that takes the form of Legos and gears and all kinds of technical Lego pieces and creations. I love how you realize school isn't just about doing a worksheet, but it's all about life learning and working within their creativity. Now, because we are recording right now during the coronavirus, I want to hear, like, what is your take on what's happening and how is that affecting the way that you homeschool right now? Yeah. Um, it's been really interesting and I think almost validating in a way to have the world homeschooling with us. Um, we have now this like collective um, consciousness of, you know, learning and how our kids learn and, and the frustrations that some of us have with trying to translate that into an online classroom. Um, I see so many people who are like really struggling with the idea of like replicating the public school environment online and how hard that is. Right. And I think that teachers are doing their best and teachers deserve like a ton of credit with this, but I think it's kind of opening our eyes to some of the possibilities of maybe doing school in a different way and what our kids really need from us as parents who are also teachers. Um, and I think that it's been refreshing to see the emphasis on mental and emotional wellness for our kids. Um, even though a lot of people are, you know, concerned about keeping on pace, we're also realizing that, you know, making sure that our kids are in a good headspace is even more important than making sure that they're, you know, up to date on every academic achievement. It's a balance, right? Like we, we want our kids to learn. We also want them to be, to be well. Um, so going back to how we homeschool now, it has not changed significantly because we were, we were home. Before this, we're just home more now. Um, you know, the word homeschooling is kind of a misnomer because 
most of the homeschoolers I know only spend like 25 to 30% of their day at home. You know, we're running around to different co-ops. We're going out into the community. We're going to parks, museums, libraries. Um, we're home-based, but we're not stuck at home. Um, and now everyone is stuck at home. So that's the main thing that's changed is we're not getting that experience of the wider world and, and everyone is there with us. So I feel that the experience of homeschooling that most normal public schooling families are getting is not accurate right now. And I've, I've said that to a lot of folks that, you know, don't let this kind of taint your perception of homeschooling because this is just such a bizarre form of homeschooling. It is. It is a bizarre form of homeschooling. You know, I've heard it called crisis schooling, and it's definitely more like that. I'm telling people who are in that situation, you know, this is nothing like true homeschooling. Now, a lot of our parents may be wondering, you know, what does an adult child say when they look back at their homeschooling experience? You know, did you think it was amazing and that's why you decided to homeschool? Or are you homeschooling totally different than the way that you were homeschooled? Yeah, that's such an interesting question. Um, when I was growing up, I didn't necessarily want to homeschool my kids. Um, I sort of struggled with some parts of homeschooling, especially when I was in high school, um, just in the sense that a lot of my experiences were outside of the norm. And I'm not someone who likes to feel like they're a pioneer or they're doing things differently. I like to fit in. <laughs> and so I, a lot of the things that I gravitated toward in high school were like, you know, more of the social experiences, even though I'm a little more introverted, I still craved that like feeling of belonging and fitting in. And, and I found that in several um, sort of private school, homeschool hybrids that we did when I was in high school. Um, and then in community college, I found that in my classes and you know, interactions with professors. And I, I liked having that sort of broader community. So I knew that if we homeschooled, it had to be in a way where my kids had community, um, where I wasn't trying to be everything to them. Because I like being their mom. I don't always like being their teacher on every subject, to be quite honest, right? Like, it's work. I like for us to feel connected and like we have a relationship. So if we ever get to the point where, and we have, we have in several areas, several subjects where I feel like I'm not the expert. I don't know enough, or it's going to be relationally tough for me to try to teach this subject to them. Then I have no problem outsourcing it, um, hiring help, getting some kind of resource outside of our family to help our kids. And um, one way that we've done that this year is, is through writing classes outside of the home for my oldest, who is in fourth grade. So I think that informed the way that I homeschool. Just remembering how sometimes I craved and I and I found that like to be very gratifying, like having someone else teach. Um, my the the attributes that I really wanted to bring over from my homeschooling experience were. The love of learning that my mom instilled, the curiosity um, that we all grew up with, having tons of books around the house. Um, all of those things, I think, are part of the legacy of homeschooling, um, you know, and our, our faith as well, like bringing that over, allowing that to inform our homeschooling. These are things that I wanted to keep, but 
at the end of the day, my mom and I are different people. We have different personalities. She's a little more um, outgoing than I am. So, you know, I didn't try to like follow in her footsteps in a like a literal way. I needed to make it become my own. Um, also, my dad was involved in our education quite a bit, but I think our dynamic with my husband and his work schedule is different. So it, it's impossible to replicate what you had because every family is different. Oh, that is such a good point because all of our businesses are different. All of our families are different. Therefore, it makes sense that all of our homeschool situations will be different as well. Now, you've been on this homeschool CEO journey for a long time. So I'm wondering, what do you feel your biggest mindset shift has been transitioning to a homeschool CEO? I think I sort of had a scarcity mindset around the hours in the day. <laughs> um, you know, there are only 24 hours in the day. And if you're develop, devoting a chunk of those to home educating your kids, like just by definition, you're not working an eight hour, nine to five day. You might be working an eight hour day broken up into chunks or part of it distributed over the weekend or maybe not eight hours every day. You know, learning how to think of work as something that I measure by the results versus like the hours that I'm sitting in the chair has been um, a big shift for me because, you know, having worked in a number of different office settings before um, starting my own business, you're used to like work happens during these hours. And then when you leave to go home, you're constantly checking your phone and your work comes with you. Um, learning how to set those boundaries and say, even say to clients, like, I'm just not available during this time, during these hours of the day, um, has been huge. And, and also, like I said, going back and looking at the results that you achieve during those hours and becoming very efficient um, so that you're not getting down on yourself for, oh, well, I, I didn't put in 40 hours of work a week. Like, that's not realistic. And in, when I talk with other people who work outside the home or other people who come to school, they're always kind of in awe of the idea that you can like have a business um, and homeschool. And so that kind of brings me back to the realization that I am trying to do something a little bit different than a lot of people. Um, and it's okay to not feel like I'm getting an A plus in every area all the time. Some days are going to be more of successful work days and some are going to be fantastic homeschooling days and it's okay to kind of have an ebb and a flow. What a great reminder for all of us. Now, Mary, tell our audience how they can connect with you. So you can visit my website to sign up for my email list and get um, a free checklist on becoming a thought leader. It's just a cheat sheet for getting started and stepping up and owning your voice. That is awesome. I know so many entrepreneurs that could use that. And can our audience find you on Instagram as well? I am. Yep. Just look up Mary Tyndall Communications. Perfect. Well, I just want to thank you again for being on the show today. It has been such an honor to chat with you. It has been so much fun. Thank you, Jen. This was awesome. I really appreciate the chance to come on and talk with you. I don't know about you, but hearing Mary talk about how homeschooling prepared her for entrepreneurship got me excited. It also calmed some fears that I used to have when my kids were little and I wondered about what they might say as they looked back on their homeschooling years. Now, I want to know, 
What was your biggest takeaway from today's episode? Send me a DM on Instagram because I want to hear from you. Talk to you next week. Hey friend, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in today. If you loved what you heard, please be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I really appreciate it. And for more information on connecting with other homeschool CEOs just like you, be sure to check out our website at www.homeschoolceo.com. And as always, Team Homeschool CEO, you ladies inspire me. Thank you for always showing others what is possible. You guys are awesome. See you next week.